Did you know that the very first episode of Protrusive Podcast was about my experiences and Surinder's experiences when we were in Singapore? And that was kind of the reason why I started Protrusive Dental Podcast. Well, so many hundreds of episodes later, another opportunity has come to talk about moving to the UAE from wherever you are in the world, be it US, Australia, UK, New Zealand, wherever you are, and starting a new life, a new career in the United Arab Emirates, think Abu Dhabi, think Dubai kind of thing. And those are where my two guests have got experiences from. And I'm really excited to share this episode because we've got Mark, who was practicing in Abu Dhabi for five years. And we've got Fraz, who literally arrived in Dubai two days ago from the UK and is living the entire sort of initiation process right now. And he's hoping to get started working there next month in January. So a lot of takeaway points for anyone who's even thought about moving to the UAE. What does it take? Are there any exams? What's the income like? What's the tax situation like? All the things that you'd want to know before you move out to UAE to practice dentistry. Funnily enough, one of the, the hygienists, Bev, who I used to work with, uh, is also there now. I haven't caught up with her in a while, so I'm actually reach out to her. But there's lots of people I know over the years who've experienced dentistry in the UAE. Uh, and it's a place that I've been to a fair bit. My wife actually grew up in UAE and we're going there again on, on, on vacation. So um, it really did pique my interest, you know. My wife is actually uh, expecting uh, number two uh, in summer. So uh, looking forward to a summer of sleepless nights. And one of the things that we are looking for in the future, in a couple of years, is, you know, a big place because we're in a cozy two bed and we're going to need a bigger space so before we decide on that my wife was like but you know jazz you you're recording that episode with those two guys from uh, dubai let's just hear what they have to say before making a decision so i guess it's uh, it's on my wife's mind and i know for a fact that many of you listening to this podcast young dentists around the world the world is changing and now we want to experience this lifestyle where wherever village or whichever city we grew up in we have to reflect on whether that's the place you want to practice your dentistry and that's the place where you want to raise your children and that's the place that you want to retire. So the world is now your oyster and you can call anywhere you like your home. So let's listen to what Mark and Fraz have to say about moving to the UAE and I'll catch you in the outro. Mark and Fraz, welcome to this very special edition of uh, Protrusive Dental Podcast. Great to have you. Mark, I've known you since Dawson Academy days. It's been many years uh, since I first met you. Uh, Mark, just introduce yourself if you don't mind. Thanks, Jazz. It's uh, great to be on. It's an honor. I'm a big fan. And since we met in Dawson all those years ago. Yeah, so I'm uh, a dentist. I'm officially based in London. I'm a GDP. I've got a special interest in endo. And uh, I went to uni in King's in London and graduated around 2009. Uh, and I've bounced around a little bit from uh, working in Cornwall to London uh, then Abu Dhabi for in the UAE for five years and wait. What about uh, New Zealand? You mentioned New Zealand in our prior chat as well. Did you I, work I there did. As well? Yeah, yeah, I did. So <laughs> how do you skip that one out? How do you how do you miss that one? How do you forget? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a nomadic lifestyle. Yeah. So I did. I did six. Just it, it was more of a working holiday. So so I don't count it as a proper base. <laughs> but I did six months of kind of uh, bouncing around uh, New Zealand, working enough just to have some more beer money, you know, to keep going. <laughs> but, <laughs> But yeah, that was fun too. Amazing. And now obviously you're based in Switzerland. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm winding down uh, my sort of practicing time in London to focus on being here. My wife uh, works for the UN. And so, uh, you know, so we decided to make uh, Geneva, Switzerland, our, our base. It's, uh, it's beautiful out here. So, you know, I had a, a camp in both foot for uh, a foot in both camps for about a year and a half, two years. And I was commuting between London and Geneva, which uh, uh, had its challenges, but uh, uh, now I've decided to, to, to really focus on being here. Amazing. And, and, and Mark, for, the, for those of you uh, who, are, uh, who don't know yet, uh, Mark's the one who's behind this amazing uh, ski trip in Morzine, the Dental CPD, uh, Destination CPD is his website. Uh, so please do um, check out the links below. And also uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it towards the end. For anyone who's up for a tax deductible ski trip, um, there's a few places left. So come and join us if you can. Uh, but now I've also got Fraz. And Fraz, before uh, you talk about yourself, man, it was just the timing was just beautiful, man. I saw your Instagram post. And it was like one of those like, buy UK, hello Dubai kind of thing. And literally you at the airport. And I'm so, I appreciate you so much for, for giving your time. And you must be jet lagged and stuff uh, to talk about your very um, recent now move. You're, you're literally, you must, are you probably jet, jet lagged in the Dubai mall right now? No, to be fair, because I don't have my three children here yet. So my children are up at five <laughs> o'clock, which is what, Dubai time, 9am 9, 9 anyway. So I've been enjoying the lions. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, very good. I bet you are. Fraz, tell us a little bit about yourself and where do you qualify from uh, and your little background before, you, before I start uh, picking at both of you in terms of finding <laughs> out what is going through your minds. So I, I'm really your typical humble just GDP. So I uh, graduated from Liverpool 2012. I went on, worked in Southwest Wales for a bit, so I worked in the valleys. That was good. Um, completed my master's in 2015 with Manchester University in restorative and aesthetic dentistry. Stephen Davis was the uh, the guy who really Legend. got me into TMD. So uh, I love TMD now because of him. And that's pretty... Then, then I've done lots of small courses during that time afterwards. But that's like my formal sort of education. Been bouncing around from southwest uh, Wales to then Manchester and Oldham. Worked in Wigan for a good period of seven or eight years. Uh, and then before I've moved here, I finished a spell back home. Home for me is Cheadle, South Manchester. And yeah, and now I'm here. And I feel like I'm back right to the beginning. Yeah, well, you've been bouncing from, you know, Wales to Manchester, Cheadle, whereas uh, Mark's been going from, like, uh, UK, <laughs> New Zealand, uh, <laughs> Abu Dhabi. So you had different experiences. But uh, let's start right at the beginning, guys, right? So a dentist listen to this who maybe is now thinking uh, about it. And I guess um, I, I would be lying if I said I'm, I'm not interested. I am definitely interested. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, I said to so, – so my wife's pregnant. We're expecting number two. Uh, and I keep sending these, like, links to my wife. Uh, thank you. I, I keep sending these links to my wife saying okay check out this house check out this house because we live in a cozy two bed and we need the space so i'm thinking you know projecting two years forward like we, we need the extra bedroom and my wife is being really hesitant because she said oh jazz you told me that you're you're recording this uh, podcast episode uh, maybe just hear what they have to say <laughs> so here we are uh, to any dentist who's thinking about moving to uae um, to be able to practice dentistry where do you begin so so let's talk mindset mark let's start with you when you were moving to UAE, you told me a little bit already, but share it with the producer, Rati. You were, it wasn't just UAE. You were considering a few places. You were also considering Singapore and stuff. Why did you end up going to the UAE? Right. Okay. So when uh, so the, the backstory, I guess, for prompting the move was, uh, you know, like I said to you earlier, Jazz, I was in uh, predominantly NHS practice in, in uh, East London, which was great, uh, it, as you know, and probably all of your listeners are familiar with that kind of treadmill uh, dentistry. It gets tiring physically, mentally, you're kind of... Uh, so I kind of drew a line in the sand. I was like, this is not going to work for me. So we took the plunge. My wife and I uh, were decided to take a kind of extended holiday slash sabbatical and we were bouncing around Southeast Asia for a few months so I while we were away I was uh, we were both applying to jobs all over the place so my wife was applying to jobs globally I was applying to jobs in the UAE uh, to Singapore uh, to see you know where we wanted to end up uh, and while I was in Thailand I, I one of the recruiters that uh, I'd sent out my CV to has said right we've got an interview for a practice in Abu Dhabi um, and I did did the interview, you know, while I was on holiday over a Skype, over Zoom the... kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was kind of like the first preliminary one, and they, you know, they were happy with me. They wanted to to see if we could take it forward. Um, and then, you know, it was helped by the fact that my wife has uh, has family there, so her parents were living there. Uh, so that mm -hmm. that kind of obviously made the decision. Oh, parents. Okay. When you said family, yeah. I didn't appreciate parents. That's a big. That's a big deal. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So it made, it made the move much easier. You know, we had a base there. We'd already been a bunch of times to visit and things like that. So that was that was. And uh, is that why Abu Dhabi and not Dubai for you personally, because parents were in Abu Dhabi? Yeah. So the parents were in Abu Dhabi, which which definitely helped. Um, Dubai, uh, and I'm sure Faz will probably already uh, echo this, Dubai and Abu Dhabi are kind of two different animals. <laughs> one is uh, kind of the uh, older, more sensible parent. <laughs> One's the wild child. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're both super fun places to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've always liked and preferred Abu Dhabi. It has, it just kind of, we were dra drawn into it, the green space and the, the seas, uh -huh. like kind of, uh, kind of, is a backdrop for everything really in the city. So yeah, it's uh, that's why we were drawn there. Uh, but yeah, Brilliant. a couple of interviews later, and and you know kept going, and uh, we ended up there. Yeah, great. And for, for us, um, you're obviously in D Dubai right now. So you tell me, did you go through a process of uh, thinking about different places to move to? So move to, and I guess, I guess my question is. Why did you move from UK to now in Dubai? And you're obviously taking your family there as well. And did you consider any other places or was it always going to be Dubai for you? Um, Dubai was actually my wife's dream. And then it's funny because the dream then changed as she 
got happy just living the UK life. I mean, we were both from the UK, but she got happy there. I was sort of like, I want to do something else. Uh, Dubai really came along similar to Mark in the sense of we actually have family here. So that's why it was the other location that's easy to move to. Uh, my in-laws, I have a lot of in-laws in, in, in Dubai. That's, that's the main reason for here. And then literally it was over a phone call. So uh, last weekend of June, my uh, brother-in-law calls me and goes, we're opening up this polyclinic. Do you want to join in? I've had my DHA license for a good, I think, five or six years. I'm like, yep, let's just do it. And then we just made the decision on the phone. And then from what's, there, what's the DHA license? Is that something that you had, yeah? Yes, sir, the Dental Health Authority. So the equivalent of sort of the GDC, but for Dubai. And how did you have one six years ago? So they've got like a, a fairly simple website. Uh, so you go through like a, a Sherian portal and you just follow the flowchart, submit your documents, uh, certificates, things like that. Yeah, you do have to do a prometric exam. So it's like I just went to uh, um, like a sensor in Salford, Salford Keys, did set up my exam there, fairly straightforward. Yeah, that was it. Then you just get your license. And you have to get a job, though, to make it active. Um, so mm. I actually still don't have an active license yet until we get the practice up and running. Um, yes, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, as, as long as you don't mind them. But it was always in the back of your mind then, because if you had this license, you must have at one stage had the intention or the desire yeah. in the back of your mind, right? Yeah, so it was actually quite funny because up at, when I got the job in Cheadle, that was it, I, I did my NHS to private transition completely. And I'd given up on the sort of the Dubai dream because I actually had a bit of an issue with applying for jobs. I just didn't quite get a sense of, uh, let's say professionalism was a bit different to how it was in the UK when it came to contracts. I'm not sure what Mark's experience has been like over there. But I just thought this is how much hassle I'm having with jobs now remotely. I don't really want to, I was too scared to take the plunge, I would say, to move my whole family over and then have contractual issues. Um, that's how it felt. And then it was just that June, that phone call, where just the opportunity came up and I was like, yeah, we're going to regret it if we don't try it out. So I'm here. And, uh, and, and I, one, one thing it. I want to see is um, on your Instagram, I see, you know, you do some uh, beautiful dentistry and uh, looks Thank like you. You, there's no shortage of patients and stuff. And, and so did you feel as though you're taking a big risk? Like imagine someone who's got like um, a steady income as a dentist, maybe yeah. a mortgage. I don't know if you had one or not, et cetera. And then to sell up and give up everything to 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 move that's a, a, a big risk in a way i guess it's helped by the fact that you're going moving to a family sort of venture i guess but tell me about your thoughts um in that regard yeah so i think financially yeah it's a financial risk but i think over although i know i think to a lot of my older colleagues i would still be seen as like a fresh new dentist i feel like after what just over 10 years experience i feel like you build that confidence in yourself you know what you can do uh, I'm quite confident in the level of customer service and Dubai, a lot of it is about service. So I know that if I can bring that service to here, it's just about you get people through the door. I think we've got the location right. And then we'll see. I think um, another person that helped me was, I, th I don't know if you've had James on one of your podcasts already, uh, James Martin. So yes. he, he, yeah, so he was somebody as well I've been speaking to a lot. Uh, he changed a lot of my mindset with the whole thought of money. So you realize Amazing. it's quite, it's quite, it's something which you, do, you don't really have to have much of an attachment to. It can, there's always ways to make money. So you do what you love and you'll always find a way. Well done for chasing your dream or, or, or as, a, as a wise man, you chased your wife's dream. So uh, <laughs> even more brownie points and whatnot. So, so, so well done you. And I guess both of you uh, did, did right by your significant others, it uh, sounds like. Uh, so before we come so. on to the, the spicy uh, contractual things, uh, which, which yeah, definitely piqued my interest, um, Mark, what are the requirements? Like if, if dentists in the UK is thinking, okay, I want to go. Like, for example, when I had to go to Singapore, I had to like agree to a, a, a position. I had to get some paperwork with the SDC, but there wasn't the exams to do. Um, I, I guess Faraz already touched on it, but do you want to just summarize uh, in a paragraph? So what are the requirements that you need to tick box as a UK and maybe international dentist to work in the UAE? Sure. So um, kind of as Faraz said, there's a, uh, it's quite a simple process in terms of it being, and I can talk uh, about the HAD, which is now the Health Authority Abu Dhabi, which is now transformed into the DO um, Department of Health. So they operate kind of independently. So between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, there's two separate governing bodies. 
the first step in terms of is your accreditation. So you have to go through uh, something called the, the data flow, which is like where you submit your papers, work through, uh, you know, the, it's, a, it's an outsourced company that will val you know, validate everything, all of your degrees and your references and things like that. In terms of exams, there's for Abu Dhabi, there is nothing that you have to do if you're a graduate from the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and a couple of other countries, I think the US as well. Um, so from that side, it's uh, fairly straightforward. The requirements are just that you have all of your paperwork is in order. And uh, once you, so I actually applied without having had the job, you know, in my hand. Uh, and you can get through all of the paperwork, kind of get somewhat accredited. And then finally, your last step is once you have the job, you kind of attach that onto your license. And then your license gets attached to a facility, which is kind of obviously the practice that you're going to be working in. Have I missed anything out? I think that's that's pretty much it. It's, it's, a, straight, it's a, a straightforward process. It is timely. It took a good like three or four months minimum to kind of get through all of that because they, they will send back things for, for more rubber stamps. That's an important point because that's three to four months of uh, loss of earnings and, and, and something that a dentist should keep in mind and, 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 and plan for and accommodate for. Fraz, anything you want to add to that? Because it's all very fresh in what you're living through right now. Yeah, I think the only thing I would say to Ed, well, I, I, I wish I knew there wasn't a prometric exam for the, uh, the DOH license because I think it's quite easy to then switch them across, uh, I believe. Uh, so I would have maybe done it that way around. But anyway, it's, it's done now. Um, <laughs> in regards to... If anybody's thinking of it, because of the amount of months it takes, so like I said, they do come back and forth with small tweaks you need to make. Uh, my advice is if you're thinking, get your license done now. It's not, it's not too costly. Um, I can't remember the exact cost off the top of my head, but I think it was less than £1,000 when you equate it yeah. for the license. Um, so if someone's thinking of it, just, just go and do them. Get your two or three licenses uh, sorted. And that's so a not... one-off rather than an uh, annual rene renewal, right? It's a one-off. There is an annual renewal fee, but it's, it's fairly inexpensive. I think it was a few hundred dirham, which is yeah. maybe oh, like a hundred pounds. So it's not like GDC money. It's like no, no, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's That's literally like another your, benefit. Your, your three UDAs, one three UDAs pays for your renewal. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, you know, on, on this topic, uh, and this might be complete rumor. This might be false, right? And, and this might be uh, I might be talking complete garbage. But one one of my old principals told me that in um, some of these um, Arab countries that there is no such thing as um, uh, dental protection and stuff because if something bad happens, something wrong happens, it's, it's inshallah. Uh, they say that it's, it was meant to be. Is, is that correct? Mark, I think you're probably in a better position than I am since I'm at the beginning of the journey. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. So, there's, I mean, there is indemnity, but it's, I think it's related to the facility rather than the clinician. I know certainly that I didn't have indemnity that was uh, directly associated to me and my uh, you know practice owner was kind of deducting a small fee but it was nothing like what we used to paying in in the UK I mean I, I have also heard stories of you know you know surgeons that are, you know if something goes wrong they've got their passport and then they leave the country but I don't think it I think those are all urban leg urban legends and I don't think they're uh, uh, actual reality uh, but yeah, you know, I think uh, that certainly the the level of litigation that clinicians face in the UK is is, is not not there in the same way. Um, like in Singapore, was... they had dental protection stuff, but my fee was like a, a quarter of what we'd be paying here, basically, and, that, and that's how it was. And 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 even then, it was like a, a well, I must it must have been compulsory, I guess, but. It, it, it was very rare for litigation to be at the top of someone's mind as a dentist. And I, I imagine it's the same there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think in the same way that you practice defensively or you practice carefully and you always try to do the best for your patients, it goes without saying, right? That's, that's how you are going to yeah. operate in any, anywhere. Uh, Just because you uh, don't have it doesn't mean you end up being reckless. Of course, you, you still stay, tr stay true to your uh, ethics and whatnot. But it, it's just a requirement wise. It was good to know that, OK, maybe the medical legal just wanted to get the medical legal landscape, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's different in the sense that, you know, I, I, I didn't pay any dent, uh, indemnity protection while I was there or that was significant. It was only coming out of, uh, uh, you know, I was it was not even noticeable. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely mm -hmm. not the same uh, same p figures that we were looking at in the UK. Sure. And, and for us, what's what's next for you now? So you've got your um, license years ago in a way, and yes. now you're waiting for it to become active. Now, tell me about this. Polyclinic. This is like a. It sounds like a, a family kind of. Are they doctors? Are they uh, creating a clinic with different specialties? 
So my wife and her sister, well, two sisters, they're all chiropractors. So two of them, obviously my wife comes over, they will be having the chiropractic side in uh, the polyclinic. This is where I think uh, if Stephen Davis just does listen to this, he might be cringing a bit because I incorporate them into my TMD <laughs> TMD work. <laughs> but I know that's a, that's a hot, you could do a podcast on that, I think. Chiropractors and TMD. So they're there. Uh, and let's like make that happen for us. Yeah, we'll get your wife on. We'll have, we'll get you, we'll have a chat really again good. about that. You know, you That'll definitely really keep my good. interest. We need to geek out on TMD stuff for sure. Right. But yes, carry on. <laughs> uh, no, that sounds brilliant. Um, then we've got, we've got like a medical GP. Um, obviously very different to the UK because it's all insurance based here. All just pay as you go. Then we've got some aesthetic sides, so like laser hair removal, like the hydrofacial stuff. That side of everything I'm not really getting involved in. That's my my sister-in-law's husband. So he's, mm-hmm. I just call him, he's a, just a very good businessman. So he's got he's got a couple of yachts here and car hire and this is his next venture. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm basically essentially similar to a typical UK setup where I'm almost renting the space and doing my own thing within within the polyclinic. So with us, we have a license on the with six specialities on the clinic already. What and we need to now get the radiology license and then the dental license will be something we're doing afterwards so we're doing that now we're currently in the process mm-hmm. of it once that's granted then i can attach myself well i'm attached with the license on the practice and then i can attach my sort of my personal license to be able to then work as the dentist inside inside the clinic if, if that makes sense as sort of like a, a like a flow diagram of how everything's mm-hmm. attached. Sure, sure. I mean, your your situation is very your situation is very unique. If you want to go down the more uh, uh, mark way of applying to uh, a cold practice, someone you don't know, yes. a principal who's looking, kind of thing. Essentially, is they probably have to do a bit of paperwork. You have to do a bit of paperwork, and they sort of need to sync together to activate the license. Is that a, a good gross uh, summary? Yeah, to my knowledge, yeah. So, for example, I got that far with a few job offers. Uh, where we got to the contract stage and that's where everything sort of fell through. However, it was just that they just need to activate my license attached to the mm-hmm. clinic as Mark, as Mark pointed out before. Fine. Now, before I ask you about the contractual issues, I, I have a very good friend of mine who practices, I'm not going to say in which country, but a country we all know very well. Uh, and then he also considered going to uh, Dubai. Uh, and now I'm, I'm thinking very carefully, should I continue or not? I'm going to continue. So uh, he was an um, Indian uh, background. But he had a very, he had the Queen's English. He had the Queen's English, okay? And so he felt really uh, betrayed when he went to Dubai and having some uh, interviews by principals and stuff because this is what um, the uh, principal said to him. He gave him a contract, which was, um, he, actually, no, he didn't give him a contract. He considered it, but he didn't because this is what he said to our, our, our uh, brown-skinned Indian uh, dentist. He said to him, if I, if I shut my eyes and I give you the contract, basically he's trying to come say that he can't decide where he's in, he's, is he an Indian dentist or is he a British dentist, basically. So it's a bit of racism there, basically. He says that, well, I, I, either contract I give you, I'm either offending the Indian or I'm offending the, the Brit because, I, you know, I can't believe that when I open my eyes, you're a brown guy, but you speak such good English. That, that's kind of direction it was going in. Not, I'm not saying that all principles like this, but that the one N equals one experience that, that I heard of him and then you end up going to that different country and he's, doing, he's thriving there, he's doing very well. So that's one thing that I had heard. Obviously, it might be very different to the kind of contractual issues that you'd come across and the professionalism. You mentioned that word professionalism was a bit different. And that's, you know, funny enough, the experience that I had heard. So tell me, Faraz and Mark, any stories that you have, anything like be careful with this or any lessons? Faraz, I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> so my experience is fairly limited, of course. I had no, I had no racial issues. So I understand where you're coming from, but there's no issues of uh, so like prejudice from that. My contractual issues were more when I was looking for a job. I had to be quite plain about it. I pretty much told the two job jobs that I was uh, going for that I needed to come on a similar sal- salary to what I was earning in the UK in order to be able to fund and keep my family lifestyle the same it was at that time. Uh, so we we're trying to figure a way where we could almost say if I didn't actually earn that amount a retainer, in the year a retainer so that yeah. minimum amount in your first few months so we had that in yeah. Singapore we had six months retainer that okay if you grossed above it you get more but as a minimum yeah. just to help you settle in you have that so it's a good thing to have I think when you're moving abroad and I think it's very fair that you ask for that yeah so so I think they were trying to work out how they're going to put that in the contract and then the two clinics I applied for they were then I was speaking to like a general dentist from the UK who was like the manager you could call it 
and they were owned by, say, another businessman that one was, uh, they're from different countries, we'll try and keep it as anonymous as possible. And I think it was a communication between there that they had issues. So it just came to where there was just delays and delays, I think. So do you have a contract? Do you not have a contract? And then it was just mutually, we're like, this is just not going to work out. So let's just, let's just leave it. So that was with those two jobs. Um, in terms of the racial prejudice, though, I've not felt it personally. Obviously, this is my own clinic. So, I mean, from my social media marketing and so on, I've not had any, I've not had a feeling of that either. So, so for me personally, no, I don't have any stories, but I feel like, especially where Dubai is now, is even different to when I used to visit 10 years ago. But this is where I think Mark can probably give a lot more insight and knowledge onto things. Yeah, Mark, tell us about uh, actually being, you know, n- not only any contractual issues, but then actually being uh, a wet finger dentist in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi. Okay, so, well, I mean, uh, so the in terms of the my working environment, you know, the practice, uh, just to give you a bit of background of where I was working, because my situation was a little bit unique as well in that it... Uh, the practice I was working for was owned and, you know, uh, by just two brothers that were working in the practice. So we had an orthodontist who was working in the practice and, uh, you know, uh, a prosthodontist that was working in the practice. And they, they were brothers. One was like CEO and the other guy was like, you know, in it. So they cared a lot about their patients. They cared a lot about, you know, the equipment, the materials, everything and how the practice was operated. So I think a lot of the problems where people... Um, you know, may encounter issues with these contracts and things like that is uh, potentially where there's kind of, I guess, a separate business entity that has got no relation to the dentistry. And uh, like a corporate, so, right? Like a yeah, a, it's kind, you're kind of describing a family-run clinic versus a corporate, really. Absolutely, yeah. So and 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 you know, the corporate jobs you know exist in clinics and they exist in hostels in in the UAE. So you know, you can you can find find every permutation of that. Um, and I think the family-run business in the UAE is probably getting smaller as a, a proportion of clinics. So you know, I was I was lucky to to to, to you know st- effectively by chance stumble upon that opportunity. Um, and not only that, you know, we had all, we were a polyclinic in the sense of dental polyclinic. We had an endodontist, periodontist, you know, pediatric specialist. So. Uh, it, Everything. And were they all trained within UAE or did, were these dentists qualified from around the world? Yeah, so they're all from all around the world. Our endodontist was from Turkey. My uh, pediatric specialist was, uh, who I used to do sedation clinics with, was uh, trained in the US, but he was originally Libyan heritage. We had uh, prosthodontists from Syria. The uh, orthodontist and, and the other owner were both Palestinian. Uh, we had Lebanese uh periodontist so it was just yeah it was it's great i mean they're all from i guess you could say the middle east uh middle eastern heritage but yeah we had a very international i, I love background. that about dubai man i mean I, I mean guys you, you you guys might know this but maybe i'm saying it wrong but i think one in five of the people in uae are actually emirati like maybe that's the wrong exactly. stat but something like that right like the no no so people are, are from all around the world and i remember being uh, on holiday in dubai and being in this lovely restaurant and the south african couple were eating next to us and the man who's been there for like 20 30 years just described Dubai as Disneyland for adults and I'll never forget that <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right it is it is a little bit like that yeah you did the the Emirati population is only 20% of the full of the, the whole country so yeah they're a minority but uh, you know it's uh, it's an amazing place in that sense and you know I, I have never experienced that kind of racial prejudice so it's, it's sad that, that that people do i'm sure it exists probably in the way that it does everywhere but uh, you know luckily it, it, it wasn't an issue and I think it's not something that's common but I, I'm sure it does exist Hey guys, just interfering here with this message from Enlightened Smiles, the good people with Payman Langrudi et al who do such great whitening products but of course their course, their flagship composite bonding course MSM, Mini Smile Makeover which is really heavy duty full sequence from Preg Laterals to Composite Veneers course by the famous Dipesh Palmer and the wonderful thing about that course is that once you go in at once you can go again and again for free which is one of the, the best highlights I think any course has to offer so if you're looking for a composite course do consider Dipesh and Mini Smile Makeover and thanks again to Enlighten for supporting Protrusive back to the episode yeah but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad I did get it 
out there in, t- in terms of, okay, just be careful kind of thing in case sure. uh, you come across this. But yeah, hopefully it is just a one-off kind of thing and it's not going to affect anyone. We kind of covered already in terms of processes and how long it takes. So make sure uh, financial advice, make sure you have four to five months worth of uh, <laughs> supply to feed yourself and your family before you go out there, if you were to do something like that, uh, before you get your affairs in order. Uh, and I, uh, anything you guys want to add so far before we now talk about quality of life, which is you know what life is about, right? It's not about... Yes, it's about the dentistry. It's so important. But, you know, how can you nurture and raise children in a country like that? The school system, the income, all these things. But before we get on to uh, the fun bits, uh, anything you guys want to add in terms of contractual, getting to work there, the systems or anything like that? I think in terms of um, jobs themselves, uh, I speak to a lot of dentists who are already here. I think it's very limited with applying for jobs when you're not in the country for a couple of reasons. So, number one, you de- I think you almost now is a given you have to have your license already sorted out. A lot of people just won't even reply to you unless you have your license, uh, which you can all do remotely. You don't have to come into the country, which is which is great. Or the that is golden advice right there. I think that is yeah. golden. And then number two would be if you are really serious and you can take the financial hit to come over, uh, maybe at some of the busier times or busier periods, and literally physically present yourself to to the sort of clinics after doing some research. Because a lot of people in Dubai will just get jobs like that. They literally walk in with a portfolio and be like, "I want a job. Let's negotiate." Type of thing. This is from people I've heard secondhand. Um, I'm not sure, Mark, if that's similar to what you would say or something a bit different from your experience. My way in was a little bit different, but uh, you know, I think, um, yeah, as you said, Faraz, I think uh, no one will give you a look in without the license because it can be such a lengthy process that will filter out so many people. That's something that you definitely have a, have to have, uh, you know, 80% done or pretty much done. Um, and uh, and then I think it's in the same way that you select any job. I think it, it, uh, a little bit of reflection and, and, and time taken to choose a, a good fit is important, uh, especially important when you're moving abroad, as it is with in the UK. I mean, guys, episode one of the podcast is all about my experiences moving to Singapore and coming back. And at the time, I talk about the Singapore Dental Classified. So on the SEC website, there was like this um, monthly PDF that would come out with all the sort of different uh, vacancies. Does Where do you begin to look for a, a job in the UAE as a dentist? Is there a uh, community forum? Is there something that's like a, the BDA equivalent, like a website? Is it Indeed? Or I don't know. You tell me. So I use... I use... Um indeed and just google jobs with the main two uh and then through some of the dentists in dubai they've got like a british dental whatsapp group which i still need to get myself into then people just post <laughs> on there people just post on the whatsapp group like i'm looking for a dentist does anybody know anyone there's not so much of how in the uk we've got like facebook groups and well, like 10 different Facebook groups among dentists. You, so if you have an argument with one dentist, you can join another one. You don't really have that over here uh, as such. There isn't like, a, um, there isn't like a, a UK or British dental group on Facebook, to my knowledge, that everyone sort of uses. Uh, I don't know, Mark, what else you used? I mean, the only other one that I can think of, I think there's a there's a uh, a golf based site called bait.com, which I think you can you can they they post jobs on. But uh, and then I actually, you know, I, I sent my CV out to recruiters, so the, the recruiters would had actually called me when the opportunities came up, and, and that was that's how I got in. I think uh, cool. just to be careful of just that last thing to add is that there are quite a few scams that go around as well, and some of them could be quite realistic because. There's just as you mentioned rubber stamps before. I think they love rubber stamps over in yeah. in Dubai. So every so they'll send you lots of official looking things. So you have to be careful. And some of them yeah. can be quite quite tricky scams. Yeah. That is really invaluable, man. That that is good to good to hear. That well, not, it's sad to hear, but it's good to have our wits about us and our antennas. Um, uh, I can see alert. that Mark. Uh, Mark, I think enjoys the rubber stamping. <laughs> I think he knows what I mean about the rubber stamps. I think I think you both have been through enough rubber stamping. Right. Let's talk about quality of life. You both got three children, right? So um, I know, Mark, yours is the, your youngest is two. Uh, for us, how, how old is your youngest and your eldest? Uh, so they're so five, three and one. Wow. Uh, so oh, my goodness. Youngest, both of yeah. you got such young families. That's, uh, that's amazing. So, I mean, you, you both, I mean, Mark, you've already experienced the schooling system there to some degree. For us, you're obviously at the very front of your mind. You're thinking about where are my kids going to school and stuff. So um, a lot of dentists, when they're moving, a lot of people in general, in any career, when they're moving, they're either at the very beginning of their career or maybe towards the end of the career. So children come into the, the factor for, to those young dentists, maybe uh, starting a family and stuff. So 
how does it work? Schooling, I've heard conflicting things. I've said schools can be very expensive, but at the same time, I was saying to Mark, to get domestic helpers is like amazing, like get nannies and stuff, very accessible. So Mark, let's go with you. What advice do you have to a dentist who's thinking about taking their family like you guys did to UAE? Sure. So uh, we had actually had both of our, uh, two, our two first kids while we were living in Abu Dhabi. Uh, my eldest, Jonah, started school there. So we had him in the lycée in Abu Dhabi, which is the French schooling system. Um, and, you know, the school, the quality of the schools is amazing. Uh, the teachers uh, in our school certainly were all civil servants from France that were, were there working there. So you had... Uh, and it, it's the same for the British schools. Uh, so they're all privately funded schools. So you have you have a, an American academy. You'll have uh, BSAC, which is the, the British schools schooling system. So wherever you're coming from, you can actually almost transplant your kids and they can have the same sort of educational continuity that you had, uh, that they, they, uh, they were having while they were back home. Uh, so um, the schooling is good. It's expensive and there is competition. I think the competition is even tighter in Dubai to get places. So people, you need to apply early to get spots. But, you know, your kids can get in everywhere uh, in terms of fees. Yeah, the fees are, are not cheap, but the, you know, equivalent to, let's say, private schooling in the UK. I think okay, so they pay. are similar. They're not like astronomical, out of reach kind of thing. Like if someone's already paying for private school uh, in the UK, they could probably then also transfer that to dirhams and, and afford a school in the UAE. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, to give, I, can, I mean, I can give you a, a, a rough ballpark. I think we were paying about 30,000 dirhams for our son's school. So, and that mm -hmm. was like a, uh, for the French system. So I, I don't know what the, uh, the other schools in Dubai are like. Uh, probably the range is big and I'm sure, you know, you can mm -hmm. pay up to 100, 100 per year if you want to. Yeah, so, uh, of course. Yeah. So, so for us, what are you thinking for your, for, your, for your children? Have you found a school already for your eldest? Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the, the eldest two will, because in January they'll be six and four. So they're, they're going into the January. We found a school for them. Uh, echo what Mark said about the, um, the, the competitiveness. Uh, January seems to be a decent time because a lot of people leave the UAE and new people sort of join. It just seems to be the way the way the system is over there. So places do free up. So we're quite lucky. So we've got our places um, in the school we wanted, and they're with their cousins because they've got cousins the same age. So uh, yeah, so we've been quite lucky though. When I said about family help, my um, trust my sister-in-law did all of that. All I did was. Have you found the school? What's good? My wife and sister-in-law communicated. All I did was, okay, what's the deposit? Fine, let's transfer it. That's all I... I was, I was just transferring the money. That's about it. Uh, I think in terms of uh, cost, I think maybe a little bit higher than the average of the UK, but not much more because my eldest two are already in uh, private schools at the moment. Uh, it's maybe, in Great British Pounds, maybe two or three thousand pound difference over the year uh, mm. per person. So I suppose it... It's not a crazy jump or a crazy... A little bit dearer, crazy. but the, yeah. the, I guess the elephant in the room is there's no income tax. Let's just get that out now. There's no income yeah. tax. Now, have I got that wrong or have I got it right? There's no income tax in the UAE, right? No, there will be a 9% corporation tax on businesses come June next Bloody year. Uh, that, that's coming into effect. But uh, I suppose like the UK, you just find a good accountant. Knows a way, <laughs> knows a way in the system. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this is this is uh, yeah. Th that's one good thing uh, in terms of um, income levels, though. You know, when when we talked about the the first episode when I called with Singapore, when my guest Sarinda talked about what you can earn as a dentist in Singapore, it was really important that we reflected a, a range because if if you ask how much can you earn in the UK, you know, you're gonna give a range, right? Associated with a monthly take home will be in a wide range. It could be from uh, you know three thousand to forty thousand. You know, in the UK, it could be right. And if you, if you, if, you, if you think about it, so maybe not as wide does that but as a remuneration kind of concept do you think it's you could, do you think you can live the same lifestyle if not better in the uae doing the same time dentistry that you're doing here or is it going to be a bit more of a squeeze on your finances moving to uae as far as you get the vibe and so, as far as you feel go on mark you go first because you've, you've okay all right yeah so i've done time there yeah so the um the yeah i mean i think you can definitely match your salary in the uk so uh, i didn't really take any hits in terms of uh, what i was taking taking home like month. net right because the gross might be lower yeah. than the income tax so we're talking net yeah exactly exactly so uh, maybe it was yeah okay so if we're talking net maybe it was it's it, it effectively is about the same 
I think the, the, the key thing here is uh, also makes a big difference what the environment and the system that you're working with. So, for example, our practice uh, was mainly treating Emirati patients. So we had an Emirati base and we were treating a using one particular kind of insurance or mainly one kind of insurance. And, uh, so uh, one thing to, that's important to note is the patient base wherever you're going. Uh, because if they change the insurance uh, rates that they pay out to you, that can impact your 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 pay almost overnight, right? And that happened while I was there. So, uh, but you know, as I arrived and and towards the end of where I left, yeah, it was matching matching what we were earning in the UK. So that's mm -hmm. your same range that you could have in the UK yeah, exists mm -hmm. there. Thank you. And Faraz, what are you expecting? Because obviously you haven't worked there yet. So what, what are you kind of expecting? Is it, It's scary, I'm, I'm sure. But what, what, what yeah. have you got in terms of financial planning? So I think in, in terms of like, I think with like dentistry, going back a little bit, you've got different personalities. And I think I'm applying the same, my personalities. So going back to like being a D DF, so like a VT uh, person, I was the type of person I said, I need to become good at extractions. So I don't care what that radiograph says. I, I used to go for everything. And I got myself into a lot of problems. But that's how I learned. Maybe dangerous in the UK climate, but I got through it uh, and I learned a lot. So I'm very much sort of going in with that similar sort of approach. So I'm, I'm trying to. You're not just take... focusing on the quality of dentistry. And you're gonna, like, the good advice is you're going to see how you're going to hopefully see that reflects in income over time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I made contingency. Uh, obviously, got my financial sort of plans in my mind of. You know where your thresholds are, how long you yeah. can sort of live for and so on. I mean, yeah, I, I sort of haven't tried to too much look at the other markets. I've, obviously, you've done your normal, your normal stuff to compare yourself. But I almost feel as, as though, like it, with me, if you look at everyone else, sometimes you might confine and restrict your own ideas. Sometimes it's good to let your mind just go, what, do what you think is right and do what you think is best if you have the confidence. And then you'll, you'll tweak it. So my first 12 months is, I call it my tweaking 12 months, I'll learn. And then we'll take it from there. So my understanding at the moment is that I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't and, and know. That's, and that's totally yeah. fair, fair. I mean, uh, I wouldn't expect you to know all the answers, but uh, it, it's good inspiration for someone who might be thinking uh, of moving there in terms of, okay, what to keep in their mind. So uh, I, I guess a summary of that is, yeah, you can uh, earn, the earning potential is there. Uh, would you say, and here's an interesting one, just uh, based on uh, Faraz, your perception and Mark, your experience in terms of the ceiling in UAE, do you think it's higher for income uh, in terms of if you look at the averages in the UK from your colleagues and stuff and what you feel? Uh, and then if you, and then perhaps the ceiling uh, in UAE, do, do you feel as though the ceiling might be higher because of this whole, you know, you see on Netflix, Dubai bling and stuff and it's a very affluent place and uh, maybe the type of dentistry you're doing. Is that a fair perception? Interesting, Mark. Before you answer that, if I give you my perception, then we'll see how that lands with your experience. Sure. Because that might, like might be different going. to what... So, because in my mind, generally what I've learned is end of the day even in the uk you're going you're going to hit the ceiling say it's it's hard to put a figure on it until you make it into a business which is then you're almost no longer a dentist you become a businessman and your dentistry is a secondary you either open a practice or whatever type of business you go into or you hire associates things like that and i feel the exact same thing with dubai just that dubai is a place where dubai is about business and when you made it you moved to abu dhabi that's how i understand it <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think you uh, first is uh, kind of knocked it not knocked it right on the head. You know that there is probably a ceiling that you're going to achieve with being an associate in the same way that you probably will in the UK, and that ceiling can be super high for some people that are putting in implants. You know, eight hours a day versus someone that's you know doing <laughs> our uh, simple class twos, but uh, or not so simple class twos. But you know that that's that that's in the nature of it. But yeah, you're, I think the word of caution I would say is that it's, you know, people have this perception and it's probably a well-crafted perception of uh, the UAE and Dubai that they sell an image of the streets being paved with gold. And as soon as you come here, it starts flying out of your, <laughs> out of your pockets. And, you know, you start going to the vending machines to buy gold bars and you have a cheater in your car. And, you know, while they, some of those images are, do exist, and, you know, that's there. It's not something that there is a real Dubai and a real life. And there's like people that are kind of living a normal life. And that's kind of the reality of moving anywhere, right? Like, and, and Dubai is mm. no, Dubai or Abu Dhabi is no exception. There's, there's normal, normal life that's going on. And, and I think 
by moving there, you're not suddenly going to be erupting in cash. Yeah, and when I remember, I remember when I moved to Singapore uh, for work, and I had a great time there. But then, I I had to keep telling myself that whilst I'm here in Singapore on holiday, I need to appreciate that holiday is not real life, uh, and that your real life uh, experiences uh, are going to be completely different to what you experience on holiday. You won't be eating out lavish every single day. Uh, you got to you know think about and 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 visualize what daily life might be like. And I suppose uh, that's important to keep in mind when you go to visit a place. I, I, I'm sure you guys would agree. The other thing I want to then cover is final bits is like daily life in, in the UAE. Like the heat in the summer is unbearable, they say. And also in terms of the timings, is it right that a clinic would open maybe in the morning and then take like a four or five hour siesta kind of thing and then open in the evenings? Um, Mark, what was your hours like? Uh, so our hours were not like that, actually. We worked. Um, so when I first arrived to Abu Dhabi, we were working a six day week, which was at back then very normal. Um, so we were working uh, and we only had Friday off. I convinced I was the one that convinced my boss that we have to close on <laughs> close what, an extra day so we can have a two day weekend. Uh, and now I think officially, actually, so where it was a. Uh, Friday, Saturday weekend, I think it's shifted now in the UAE. So you've got a Friday, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday weekend. So that, that, that makes things a little bit easier. Uh, the work hours are long, but no, we didn't have, uh, you know, the siesta time in the middle of the day. And it was a normal uh, sort of, I think we started at 10 and finished at six or seven, something like mm -hmm. that. So that's kind of how our clinic was run. Faraz, what about you uh, in terms of the jobs you applied for and also the polyclinic in the future? Have you decided on timings? I'm actually still in the process of deciding. I have come to understand that if you don't open on certain hours, which can be quite early morning and late afternoon, early evening, then you are really going to miss out on sort of clientele. So, so I'm still deciding at the moment. Uh, but like I said, we might take on an associate and so on. So I'm not too set. But I think we will be doing a similar pattern to what you said. Maybe not four or five hours, but a couple of hours close in the middle of the day. Let everyone do the school runs and so on, because Dubai is a bit earlier than smaller the American timing. Um, and then we'll probably reopen. But yeah, I'm still still yet to decide. But I've come here with the mentality of, for the first few years, it's going to be like it's going to be hard work. Not used to my nice cushy associate four and a half day, nine to five in a nine to five and nine to one as it was in Manchester, <laughs> with uh, yeah. my clinic giving me all my patients. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to follow your journey, Faraz. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I have every faith in, uh, from what I've seen so far. So, and, I, and I wish you all the best there, my friend. Honestly, we're all, we're all rooting for you. Everyone listening right now, we're all rooting for you. Uh, exciting story. And again, so, so thankful that you gave up your time. Fresh in Dubai right now. How exciting that we, we had your uh, sort of input from that as well. Uh, I guess the, the final bits to talk about now before we wrap up this podcast is any final bit of advice that now you've thought of now that we discussed everything to anyone who's probably thinking uh, of, of moving to the UAE for, for work from wherever they are in the world US, Australia, wherever uh, anything that we haven't covered yet that you want to leave everyone with because we talked a little bit about lifestyle I mean one thing we didn't discuss a lot about is having a nanny and a domestic helper but from what I understand that's quite a, a thing there that's quite common place to, to have that for, for childcare and that really helps massively but anything else on that vein either work related or, or culture or quality of life related that you want to leave the listeners and watchers with Mark uh, I mean you know I think we've covered most of it I, I guess the you know the UAE did give us a really great five years we had we're privileged to enjoy a, a really great time there um, I think the um, one of my motivating factors and was being able to be out in nature and and I think you know it isn't necessarily the uh, as I said before the bling bling culture doesn't have to be the the basis of, of you moving there while it exists you know uh, we did a lot of camping trips in Oman and uh, diving trips in Oman and and things in the beach and you know hiking mountains and things like that so we had great communities in in, in the you know in the gym and and things like that so there is uh, there are still cheap eats and stuff so there there is every kind of lifestyle that you want to pursue there you can find mm -hmm. uh, and, and mark do you uh, at any point have any language barriers or anything issues like that things worth just checking on after five years did you find uh, the fact that oh, i don't know if you do know arabic or not but any issues like that well so yeah I, I, so i'm egyptian by heritage so i speak arabic my arabic was not great when i arrived but it, it certainly got a lot better because as i said a lot of my patients were emirati and the, the uh 
it's a it's a tough it's the scottish of uh of arabic really so sometimes <laughs> it was a challenge to understand but uh you know they're all really great the patients are, are really nice and, and patient and the official work language is english right so you don't need to speak arabic to to move there so yeah that was uh, the same in singapore you didn't need to know uh, chinese or malay or anything like that uh, and it was workable in english so it's good to just know that's the case uh, for us you speak yeah. arabic or any um of your colleagues who are there already have any language issues uh no but i'm the only one unfortunately in my family that's not like bilingual so my wife speaks uh, fusa arabic which is more the classical arabic uh, my kids we're trying to get them into that so dubai hopefully will help and then uh, same with my in-laws. So I'm like the odd one out in that respect. We'll have to follow up and make sure you're doing okay. And, and for us, anything that we haven't covered yet, they want to leave as a, as a final thought of this podcast. Yeah, I think my similar intentions of living here are quite similar to Mark's where I'm not trying to chase the, the Ferrari or the Rolls Royce or the Villa. That'll all be nice if it comes, but that's not the intention. The intention is to, to enjoy life for what it is over here. A couple of things that have pulled me in that some people might be thinking of is like the, the safety aspect. A good example is just now. So as you know, we've had issues with me setting up for this podcast. I tried to run over to Daiso to try and get like an adapter for the headphones. I'd left my laptop, iPad, phone, everything just on the Tim Hortons counter. Just went over and I know it's going to be there when I come back. Um, you know, I know it's not going to be taken or anything like that. So simple, small things. So safety, that's a big factor. And uh, the lifestyle, you can, I think you can make of it what you want, really. Uh, but again, as Mark alluded to sooner, you can lose a lot of money as well if you decide to pursue the Dubai Bling pathway. So you just have to be quite careful and know your, know your personality quite well. Keeping up with the Joneses, I think, is quite easy to get into over here. Of course, in any way of life, in any culture. Uh, Mark Faraz, thank you so much for making such an enjoyable, fun podcast uh, about moving to Dubai. Uh, I guess my wife will have to listen to it and make of it what she will. Uh, and I guess you'll hear from me. For my principals who are listening, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. I want to be in one practice for a long time. But if you piss me off too much, I'll, I'll be on the plane to Dubai. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> thank you. Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope there was lots of nuggets, lots of food for thought. Maybe you are settled wherever you are working. Maybe you're happy where you're working, but it's sometimes good to know what dentistry might be like in another country. So hopefully you've experienced that today. And if you're someone who's actually actively looking for a big shift and maybe you've been thinking about UAE, I'm sure there was lots of nuggets in there for you as well. This episode is not suitable for CPD. There wasn't enough meat in terms of CPD, but most episodes are suitable for CE and CPD certificates. And obviously that's all on the app on Google and on Apple and even the web. So you can go to protrusive.app as a website or download it on the Apple Store, the Google Store. Uh, and I'm constantly adding exclusive content. Some of the new content I'm working on now is a full clinical video uh, of me prepping and bonding four units of ceramic under rubber dam. This is a case where also I had a, an interesting black triangle when I was trying in the ceramics and how I managed that by sending it back to lab and how my technician was expertly able to fill in the black triangle and how good it looks now. So lots of learning points in there and that's all in the protrusive premium section of the app and you can also of course interact in the community section and be able to download the videos for offline listing. So in case you ever have choppy connection, you can just have it downloaded to your device. So that's all in the protrusive app and I thank you so much once again. I'll catch you same time, same place next week.